Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of From Tip to Tail. This podcast is brought to you by Cuddly. Cuddly is the only dedicated crowdfunding platform built specifically for animal welfare organizations worldwide. My name is Bridget. And I'm Sydney. Here on From Tip to Tail, we are bringing you raw, unscripted stories from animal welfare leaders. Together, we'll dive into the work that they do, the struggles they face, and the lives that are saved along the way. Today, we're going to be talking to Liz, who is the founder and CEO of Pawlytics, which is a cloud-based software for animal shelters and rescues who want to save more animals and love their database while doing it. Let's get started. Hi, Liz. How are you? I'm doing well today. Thanks for asking. How are you? I'm great. Doing good. Awesome. Well, thanks for having me today. I really appreciate it. Oh, I mean, it's a pleasure. Absolutely. I know you have a lot going on with everything you're developing and, and working on. So we're really excited to kind of get into it and see what you, what services you have to offer a lot of our like animal rescue rescues and shelter partners. So it's pretty cool. So if you could though, maybe if you could go into a little bit of your background. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So my background is primarily in animal welfare and animal rescue. Uh, Quite literally, since I could pick up a book and read, like at the age of four, I was immediately reading about animal rescuing and learning about what was going on in shelters. And then once TV became a thing in my life, I was watching every show on Animal Planet that I could uh, stay up and watch at nighttime. And so, yeah, from there, I ended up starting to volunteer at a shelter in Minnesota. I'm actually originally from Minnesota and became, you know, kind of grew into the position of managing their fundraising, their large breed dog program, their foster program, as well as their marketing program. Um, And so that was a couple of years while I was in high school. And um, after I was graduating high school, you know, pretty quickly realized, hey, I need to find a place to go to college. And so I ended up committing going to uh, University of Nebraska and left Minnesota. And my freshman year in Nebraska, I realized like, wow, I'm really not working with animals. I was doing the typical college thing, just getting adjusted to being in a new location and being on my own. And so at that point, I realized I was miserable not working with animals. And so I, you know, kind of found my passion again and started a student organization at UNL called the No Kill Advocacy Club. And that was about five, six, maybe almost seven years ago now. Holy cow. Um, and, uh, and so through that, got really acquainted with a lot of the different rescues and shelters in Nebraska and saw a gap of my own of where I thought, you know, a new kind of innovative rescue would, would be a good fit. And so I ended up starting my own foster-based rescue, as well as partnering with all the rescues and, and shelters in the state as well. And through that, saw a huge need in the data of cats in the state of Nebraska. I mean, cats is really, you know, the number one pet getting euthanized here. And so um, I came up with the idea of trying to open up a cat cafe here in Lincoln and (laughs) that did not end up happening. So I ended up then trying to go a different innovative route and started looking into technology and all the ways that it could be applied to the world and thinking about how that could be applied to animal welfare specifically. And so I started my last company, which was called Family Pet Project. And that was a place for people to rehome pets safely online instead of having to go to Craigslist, instead of having to go to the shelter rescue. And after starting that company, you know, we were successfully placing pets and having really great outcomes, but it was going very slowly. And so I decided to reach out to 400 shelters and rescues across the nation and just said, hey, would you use this as a first line of defense? And and really a lot of the feedback was like, you know, we do want the pets to come through the shelter, 
or the rescue. And we just don't have the capacity to move them along as quickly. And so that was really the first uh, conversations I was having about, hey, our software out here today is not helpful and we need help. And so we turned our attention from helping the everyday pet owner needing to rehome a pet to, well, let's help these rescues who are helping millions of animals every single year. So that's really my background and how politics came to be. That's amazing. Well, I love that you you tried the college thing and then you realized that it just wasn't for you. And then you refound your passion. Like, I, I love that. Cause I feel like some people go a long time without knowing what their passion is or they, you know, they stumble along and they, they don't really figure it out as quickly, but it sounds like you got right back on track as soon as, as soon as you left home and went and tried the whole college thing. Yeah. I think I'm really fortunate that, you know, my passions have always been very encouraged. And I think it's something that most little girls love animals, but I don't think it gets as encouraged to stay on that passion and that track. And so I'm really fortunate that my mom was always very encouraging and saying, you know, if this is what you're interested in then go in all the way. And so, yeah, very, very fortunate to be able to pursue this full time. Definitely. And I love that what you're making here is based out of, it's, it's coming directly from a need that you saw. I mean, I think a lot of people will make something and they'll be like, I know what you need. Let me just tell, tell you. But the fact that you're like, no, like I talked to people and I was one of these people that really needed this. And so I'm going to make exactly what I would have wanted. That sounds amazing. So what is politics? Yeah. So politics, uh, we started as management software for foster-based rescues. And that really is, I would say, like our little niche in the space. Like I come from a foster-based background where I was working in foster-based rescues for, you know, gosh, the last 13 years now. Really, we also, you know, today see this trend going back towards foster-based rescuing, especially in the, the times we're in with coronavirus and, and, you know, the understanding and research that's coming out about how just being in a home environment is better for an animal's mental health. And so, you know, our bread and butter has always been working with the foster-based organizations because we just didn't see a lot that was available to them at the typical price points available for foster-based groups at the, you know, more limited feature set that they need because it can actually be too overwhelming if you have too many features in, in a software platform. Um, and something that was really fit to that demographic that doesn't have a tech team available. So again, making something that was just incredibly easy to use that you could just toss a volunteer in there and they would be able to you know, navigate through the platform within 20 minutes and have a really good understanding of how it worked. So today, you know, that is what Politics does. We are management software for the foster-based organizations out there. Um, we're in exciting times right now because we are, now that we've, you know, quote unquote mastered, you know, for lack of a better word, mastered that foster space, we really are looking to kind of replicate that success that we've had with the foster-based rescues and bring that to the brick and mortar shelter environment and animal control environment. So we're kind of in this crux of growth at the moment. Wow. No, that's amazing. That's like so necessary too, because I feel like I feel like these rescues are like the, the front line of like, we'll test out anything, like just get something. Um, but it, it is a little bit slower when it gets, comes down to like more municipal organizations because there are a lot of hoops there. <laughs> definitely. Absolutely. I think we can definitely think of, um, you know, if we're going to put it in more business jargon that the shelters and municipalities are more of like the manufacturers that then distribute these pets to the different foster-based organizations that have the time and the team to make more exact placements and get to know the animals in that home environment. 
And so, yeah, I think calling them the front lines is a really, really good analogy because they are the ones doing these more one-on-one work with potential adopters and foster parents. And I actually, I did want to ask, so when I was looking up um, and reading all about politics, I saw that you do like healthcare filing for rescues or like medical rescue. Could you explain that? Because I was so interested in that. Yeah, absolutely. So that's part of the growth that we're going through right now is we're actually working on becoming electronic health records for pets. So we see it as a great avenue of working with rescues and shelters and providing them with the software that they need to really improve on these streamlined operations and really meet the new way of animal sheltering and animal rescue, because we just know it's not what it used to be, you know, 10, even five years ago, things are dramatically changing. And it's like every year we have a new movement coming out that's improving how we save animals and how we save and work with them within the shelter, as well as how we work with pet parents outside of the shelter to keep animals in homes. And so we found that creating electronic health records can be part of that process of improving pets' lives outside of the shelter environment and making sure that they're receiving the best care possible at the vet clinic, at a boarding facility, or even at a groomer um, so that, you know, liability is reduced for all of those pet professionals. But on the other side of that, your pet is going to be getting the best quality care. And so in knowing that rescues and shelters are microchipping every single animal, which is so important on its own for keeping pets at home and getting them back to their, their owners, we can actually utilize those microchip numbers to create these electronic health records that will actually travel with them to these different pet professionals. And so now the owners don't have to worry about that go home packet that has all that medical information or notes on their behavior that say, don't touch this dog's left paw or he might bite you. Things like that, that have different pet professionals. So when that pet goes home, it can continue to receive the best possible quality of care. And so that's really the growth that we're going towards now is creating the software for the rescues, for the shelters that's going to streamline their operations and then getting to utilize that pet health data to pass it on to the owner and other pet professionals that are going to come into contact with that animal throughout its lifetime. I love that so much. That's a brilliant idea. Oh my gosh. Definitely. I just know coming from like even like a foster background, like it was a little bit of a mess sometimes. Like you're like, okay, well, I've got the paperwork there on top of my fridge folded in a little corner. And like, I'm sure the rescuers are like, we don't know who needs their dewormer. We don't know who's where. So being able to like keep track of that and being able to be like, these are all the kittens that need this, or these are all these cats need that. Or the other thing that sounds amazing. Just being able to organize and look at like, okay, here are our goals for the next couple of weeks. Well, and God forbid you have one of those animals that do have that microchip and they have that health record following. God forbid that they do get lost and they end up in a shelter where they have absolutely no idea what that pet's health you know, condition or, or prior medical history was, then they have access to it, which is unbelievable because again, if it is an aggressive dog, it was a dog with a heart condition or, or things like that. The shelter staff are more equipped to be able to handle that pet in the best way possible. Exactly. Yeah. That was the entire thought behind it was how do we help? How do we give these pets a voice? Because they don't have one and they have all this history and medical information that is attached to them and behavioral information. And we do as as the pet professionals need a, a way to understand kind of what these animals have gone through. So again, creating that individualized care plan for each animal to find the best placement and take the best care of them while they are under our, our ownership or our care. 
That's amazing. That's such a wonderful idea. And I know it too, even like as an adopter, it'd be so great to be able to look back and be like, let's learn a little bit about you. Cause I know so many people, like we make up these stories of like, we think that they're like this because of this and that. So being able to at least look at like more physical evidence and be like, well, we know that they broke their leg like three years ago or something. And that sounds amazing to be able to look back on a little bit and shed some light. Yeah. And I think what's also cool about trying to create this electronic uh, database for pet records and, and their health records is not only can we be a place for gathering manually entered data that's happening at the vet clinic or at the shelter, but, you know, we see this rise in technology for pets and pet owners, such as smart dog collars or cat collars or different medical devices that can be used at home to just care for your pet without having to go to the vet. And that's all data that we would actually be able to ingest and capture and, and place as part of that pet record. So when you are a pet owner going to the vet, not only are you capturing exactly what happened when you adopted them at the shelter or when they made it to the shelter, you know, their first couple vet visits, as well as what that smart caller is tracking as well and compiling all of that into one super accurate record so that we can start identifying like, hey, he started limping a few days ago, but it was so minute that the human eye didn't catch it, but the caller did and being able to pass that off to the vet without having any physical paperwork at all that you would need to keep track of as that pet owner. That sounds absolutely wonderful. I know a few vets like offhand who would greatly benefit or appreciate that. Oh my gosh. Yeah, reducing overhead was is definitely something we'd love to do for everyone as well. So that Yeah, well, it removes like the guesswork of it. Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, it sounds like, so you've been doing this for a couple of years now, right? So how big is your team? Yeah. So the team, it's an interesting time to be asking because we are hiring at the moment. So by the end of this month, we will be a full-time team of four. And so I'm, yeah, very excited. We have a full-time team of two and then we have two other people part-time as well. And then we're hiring on two developers right now. So we're super excited to get to make the announcements of our new team members. But yeah, it's four developers. And then we have two people on the business development and sales and marketing side of things. And so it, I feel, you know, really proud of our team for being as small as it is, but really efficient and, and being able to go out there and, and accomplish the things that we have accomplished. Absolutely. And what a wonderful time too, just with everything going on to be like a company that's able to still grow. That's like, I bet it just feels so like so much satisfaction or just so much gratitude with that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And, and we've had some great applicants come through that genuinely love and care for animals and really believe in the mission of making sure pets don't die alone in shelters anymore. Um, and so having people that have that same drive and mission that they're going to put that same amount of care and passion into the product that our founding team has done. And so we're excited to keep up that momentum and growth in, you know, the cultural fit side of things and, and push our mission forward as well as pushing, you know, the product forward as well. Definitely. And then as far as those electronic medical records, I saw that you kind of hit a milestone with your funding there. So you're, you're kind of getting off the ground and you're, you're excited for, do you have um, pets that are currently using the system right now or? Where are you at? Yeah. So with the system, you know, today we do service foster-based animal rescues. And so we're in this place of now capturing some initial pet data that's going to create that value for the vet clinics, for the other pet professionals so that we can go to them and say, hey, we have 
15 rescues in your area using us. Now imagine having those 15 rescues as all their animals coming to a vet clinic for clients, you know, and having no overhead attached to those pets whatsoever. And so we, today we have just, you know, over, just over a hundred foster-based rescues using us regularly. And we are, you know, hiring and fundraising at the moment to move into that sheltering and animal control facility space, as well as providing that, you know, consumer or pet parent facing side to the application that will allow, allow them to have those records on hand. And so, yeah, we're in this growth phase and that's why we are fundraising so that we can build out and replicate the success that we've had with those foster-based groups in that shelter environment. Amazing. Well, so if I was an animal rescue, what am I able to access right now? Like, are you still taking on foster-based rescues for this um, electronic medical records or like your other um, processes as far as like adoption and like data, what's available to me? Yeah, absolutely. So if you are a foster-based rescue, we are a great fit for any organizations that really feel like they're not as organized, that feel like, you know, they're stuck on spreadsheets or stuck on paper or, you know, maybe using a system that is meant more for a shelter. And so we are a good fit for helping you streamline those operations, cut down on the amount of clicks and work that it takes to just create a pet record even, and then being able to store and track that information as the pet comes into your care, what's going on while they're in your care, and then also what, where did they go? What was that outcome? You know, how did, what, how did the adoption turn out or what happened to that animal? Being able to track all of that, create custom reports as to what's going on within your data so that you can also use that to turn around and go get grants show your board, show your community. So you can prove that you're having, you know, an actionable impact within your community or your impact areas. And so today it's a great way to get your entire foster based team. Who's probably distributed out, you know, throughout their own volunteer homes into one central location to have all that information and have really accurate information on the pets and people that your organization's interacting with so that you don't have this funnel of information. What we see happen a lot, happen a lot with foster-based organizations is they'll have, you know, one foster coordinator, maybe two foster coordinators, and all that information is funneling to those two people, both upward and downward stream, you know, information from the intake coordinators of information on these animals that they have to then pass on to fosters or information coming from the fosters that then they need to pass back to whoever's manually entering data or keeping track of their spreadsheets or medical information. And so it's a great way to reduce really fragmented communication or fragmented information and give your entire team access because most of these foster-based organizations are run by volunteers who have day jobs. You don't have time to answer the same question of, is this dog good with other dogs 15 times? So again, this is a great central location if you are foster-based rescue to pool your information on pets and people and um, be able to you know track your data and be able to understand how to use that data and use that with your grants, donors, or community. What everyone needs. Oh my gosh, I can't even imagine like going from like from what I've seen just with the rescues I've worked with. And like, my gosh, they're so overtaxed. They've, they're doing so, so much. And then having to turn around and be like, well, we need that grant to be able to do what we need to do. But boy, I, all my information is everywhere. Um, that just sounds like invaluable. Like it just... I can't even tell you how wonderful that sounds. <laughs> yeah, I think rescues can kind of get, you know, foster-based groups can really get stuck between that rock and a hard place where it's like, hey, we need 
grants and we need funding to be able to go out and either get more people or expand our bandwidth somehow, or be able to afford softwares that are going to expand their, their bandwidth. Because it's all about maximizing that human capital when you are a volunteer-based group or you are a nonprofit. You need as many humans and you need as many hours in the day to get things done. And you're working with live animals and other, other humans as, as you know customers, for lack of a better word, the adopters on the other end of it. And so you know, I think that's also what's really special about politics is, you know, ha- me having background in that space and feeling the pain that these animal rescues are feeling is that's why we priced it at $1 per adoption, because we're trying to get them out of this rock in a hard place where it's like we need the grant funding to go get awesome software. But because we're not able to track our data and it's very fragmented, we can't go get the grants. And so our, our pricing is just $1 per adoption. So that way, you know, if you have a month where you're not doing adoptions, you don't need to worry about it and you can still track that data and what's going on and still be able to get that to grants and, and uh, to the, the funders. Definitely. That makes so much sense too. Cause I mean, it does tend to be a little bit of like feast and famine. Like I know when, when Corona started, like it was like, you couldn't hold on to a, an animal. <laughs> um, it's like they were there. Everyone was like, Nope, I need me a dog. Maybe I need to. But now, I mean, I, I imagine like there's a lot of stress going into a lot of things because people are nervous about what their future holds and what's happening there. And we've heard we've heard a little bit about how people are maybe surrendering their animals like in anticipation of something really terrible coming. So so the fact that like right now, if you're not doing a ton of adoptions, you wouldn't be like, I have to shell out this this uh, big uh, bill. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And, and you know, even coronavirus aside, a lot of these groups just don't know what's going to walk through the door. And you might have a month of doing 10 adoptions and you're getting easy owner surrenders coming in that are already vetted, that have all that medical information to hand off to you. But next month, you might have a, you know, dog that has a torn ACL that's going to cost $4,000 in surgery bills come in. You just don't know what's going to come through the door. And so that's why pricing it as a performance-based price, we really, really wanted to make sure that we were making good technology accessible to any size organization. That's amazing. So are you still running a rescue too on the side of this or are you are you refocused? Are you, do you just have your own rescue dogs? <laughs> yeah, we are refocused. Uh, and so I am not personally running a rescue at the side on the moment. But as a company, we actually have talked about starting our own company rescue because it's really important to us to stay on top of what are the best practices, what are, you know, what what are the pain points that these shelters and rescues are going through. And, you know, I'm fortunate enough to have experience and have done it myself, but you know, that was a couple years ago. And and again, like we hit on earlier, so much has changed in the animal rescue world, in the animal sheltering world. And so, you know, we do try to go to every single conference. We try to attend every webinar we can get our hands on because we want to stay up to date with what those practices are so that we can implement the future of sheltering and the future of animal welfare in our software and and stay ahead of the game so that we're always doing what the, the groups need. So we actually have toyed around with the idea of starting a company animal rescue and, and giving all the employees their own role within the rescue so that, you know, we have a coordinator or a foster coordinator that would say like, hey, doing this in our software is actually terrible and we need to improve this. Yeah, well, what better way to know what you're doing is right if you're, you're experiencing it 
yourself. Oh my God, I couldn't say that word. Exactly. Exactly. Right. And so, yeah, we do try to keep our employees, you know, very educated in the space and, and very baked into what's going on in the space because yeah, we have to stay on top of the very, very changing and growing community of animal welfare. Absolutely. That's so exciting. Well, and do you have personal pets at home? Oh goodness. I joke that I have a mini petting zoo. (laughs) I personally have four dogs and three cats. I also have a ferret and two horses. Oh, a ferret. That was like my dream animal when I was growing up. They're awesome. Uh, They are cat dogs. They're cat dog weasels, basically. (laughs) Love that. What's the, what's the ferret's name? I have to know. I actually originally was not going to be able to keep her because I had a different ferret at the time who was attacking her. And so I was very nervous that they would never get along. And so I would just call her the little one because I didn't want to get attacked. And then I got attached and said, okay, even if they don't get along, I'll keep her. (laughs) And so her name became little one. Yeah. Yeah. She's, and now she's literally the littlest one. That's so sweet. And a horse too. I mean, I think we need to, are you still in Nebraska right now? Yes, we are based in Nebraska, so plenty of room for the zoo and the horse and all the different critters to run around. (laughs) I think we need to visit you in Nebraska. That sounds amazing. Or Sid, should we move there? (laughs) I swear, every time we do these podcasts, Bridge, I want to move to whoever we're interviewing. I want to move there. (laughs) Definitely. I mean, Sid's dogs would be so happy running around. (laughs) Yeah, lots of land out here. So a good place for dogs to run around and get some good fenced-in yards. and. Well, so we have a couple fun questions then. Um, so your dog could talk. What would be the first thing he said? Probably it would be demanding for food. All of my dogs, pretty much all of my animals, horses included, are obsessed with food and would literally do anything for food. I actually had to get industrial sized shelter kennels because my dogs were so destructive that even just the thought of there being food in the kitchen they would actually destroy the kennels and break into my kitchen. One of my dogs learned how to open a refrigerator and would eat the food out of the refrigerator. And so I have industrial kennels that they cannot break out of. So I would be willing to wager any of my dogs would be talking about food if they could talk. <laughs> yes. That's amazing. I don't know how you would open a fridge. That's. <laughs> I know. I was like, you, if you have a video of that, please share it. <laughs> Yeah, it was it was talent for sure. Yeah, he's he's got some good determination in him. <laughs> and he's even, I mean, this is the dog that's now 13 years old and he still will stop at nothing. Yes, he'll stop at nothing for, for food. <laughs> okay, what's one trick your pet taught you? Ooh, one trick my pet taught me. Oh, that's interesting. Oh, I would say... My pet taught me how to just chill out about stuff that you can't have tight control over everything because some dogs just don't want to listen. (laughs) No matter how much training you put into them, how much work you put in. So that, you know, I think my definitely, my dogs taught me that I need to chill out and let them do their thing and make sure that they're safe, fat and happy, basically, because trying to get them to do anything that I actually want them to do ends up just making me look dumb in front of my friends. I was going to say the, t- the amount of times that I yell sit or even just stay a day is unbelievable. I should like own that word. 
I'm pretty sure one of my dogs thinks her name is no. Have, have you seen that meme? It's like, my owner calls me this, 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 and sometimes this, and it's like sit, stay, or something like that. It's not even their names. It's just like commands. I love that. Exactly. Pretty sure my dog introduces herself as like, hello, my name is no Denver. <laughs> okay. And so this one's a little bit harder, but um, so if you had to pick one life motto, what would it be? Um, well, it's actually one of our core values. So I would say one life motto is always be growing. And that actually is one of our company's core values and something we look for in not just the people that we're hiring and bringing on the team, but also the rescues and organizations that we want to work with. And so the concept of always be growing is that, you know, you're going to make mistakes and you're, they're not really mistakes if you learn something out of them. And that's kind of the journey of politics and this company is that we had to fail on three other companies and start a whole bunch of different organizations to really understand what was needed in the market and how to do it properly. You know, we had to fail and figure out every way it does not work before we figured out a way to make a company like this work and function and grow and sustain itself financially while also providing a really valuable service to nonprofits that don't have a lot of money. So yeah, a ABG is what we say, always, always be growing. That's so true. I know I've been with this company. I was one of the first employees and we failed a lot of times. We failed in really big ways. And, and I think at the end of the day, as long as you're showing up the next day with a fresh attitude of like, well, we're not going to do that again. If you just keep trying yeah, eventually you'll succeed. So it's the way of a startup, unfortunately. Well, the way of life, I guess. Yeah, it's important to fail and fail fast because you have to fail at something so many times before you get it right. And so we just want to get those first bad ones out of the way and then be on to growing and learning and, and doing bigger and better things. I love that too for your organizations as well. Cause I know like it when you're one person and you're so overwhelmed in rescue, like you're just like, I just need help. And it's like, yeah, you do just need help. And then you can keep growing and you keep saving more animals and you can do more good. And I love that your tools are supplying them with the technology and the knowledge to be able to do that in a way where they're not killing themselves in the process too. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And always be growing is also, yeah, definitely for the organizations because I think there's a part of organizations and, and just what it takes to run a rescue. It takes a lot of blood, sweat, and tears. And I think the executive directors and founders of rescues can kind of have that fear of bringing on more people to the team and delegating out more of that responsibility because, you know, these are high stakes. We are working with animals have, who have hit some rough patches in their life and really need a reliable human to help them out. It can be really hard and scary to delegate out work and roles and responsibilities, but it is so important to do if you really want to grow and help more animals in your community. And so it's something we try to encourage our organizations to do to be a little bit fearless, understand that, yes, some mistakes might get made, but at the end of the day, we're all here to help animals. And so we do need to figure out all the ways things don't work to become more efficient and be able to actually hit this no-kill goal that we have as a nation. Absolutely. So for rescues, um, where can they come to look over your software and to sign up on your site? Yeah, absolutely. So they can visit our website, pawlytics.com. So P-A-W-L-Y-T-I-C-S. We are a blend of the word paw and analytics. So pawlytics.com. Um, we also have a lot of information about this new growth direction that we have to becoming electronic health records. And that can be found at wefunder.com slash pawlytics. Um, and that is we, W-E, funder, F-U-N-D-E-R.com slash politics. Um, and that has more information about 
what we're going to be doing for the vet clinics, for the shelters, for groomers and boarders, and for pet parents as well. And that's all really exciting things. That is a place for people to join on on our journey as well. If they want to become investors, um, organizations can put money in, people can put money in. Um, and we have actually perks involved in WeFunder as well. So if you have a big donor who's with your rescue that really wants to help you get amazing software, we have perks available through WeFunder where a donor can put in $500 and get your shelter or your rescue politics for free for a year, all sorts of different breaks and tiers. And so it helps us grow. It helps the organizations grow and it helps us be more of a team in this. You know, we are looking for good, good customers who are also willing to be team members in this and help us grow the software to be what is really needed so we can have the biggest impact possible. We are a very, very mission-driven company, and that's why we are a public benefit corp, because we wanted to take on a lot of the appearances and functionalities that a nonprofit has while also being able to take on investment and grow the company really quickly, again, to have more impact quickly. So we would love if rescues wanted to join us on that journey and become, you know, a small investor and, and have a piece of that pie so that as we grow and become successful, you know, there's a very good chance they're going to see a return and grow along with us. Definitely. Yeah, we'll include links to all of that too. But I'm, I'm really excited to see how, how the world changes in like a positive way and how what you're doing is going to make such a huge impact in all of these nonprofit um, sectors and even, I mean, more municipal side too. Thank you so much for chatting with us. Love your story. Love your product. It's super exciting. Yeah. Thank you for having me today. I loved all the questions. I loved the fun, fun ones. So I'm sure I'll be thinking of all the answers I could have given after this calls. Well, thanks again. And we'll talk to you, I'm sure, an, another time to get an update on where you're at. Yes. Thank you again for having me. <laughs> It was so, so great talking to Liz today about her background in animal welfare and how she's streamlining foster management, adoptions, and medical records, all to make nonprofit orgs run a little bit smoother without so much overhead. If you want to learn a little bit more about politics, you can find more on our show notes or our blog on cuddly.com. And remember to rate, like, and subscribe this podcast and follow Cuddly on all social media accounts at We Love Cuddly at C-U-D-D-L-Y. Thanks, guys. See you next time.